I'd heard about prostate cancer. Most men have. I even knew about the heightened risk for black men, which, when adjusted, means that it affects one in three of us. One in three. But this was only meant to happen to old men. Other men. <laughs> that wasn't until it happened to me. I couldn't make these stories up. These are the stories, the good, the bad and the unbelievable about my prostate cancer journey. So strap yourself in and let's go. Episode 16, Who Let the Volunteers Out? He must have careered around the corner doing at least 50 miles per hour. It could have been more. The car skidded, burning deep smouldering rubbery kisses into one of West London's hard, cold main roads. Momentarily, and in apparent slow motion, the car began to lift onto its two wheels, but he brutally slammed me into the car door with his left hand, without breaking his right-handed death grip on the steering wheel. He then shot me a look. His eyes had turned to dark and wide black holes. Breaking any of my bones had been a mere inconvenience to him, and he let me know I was in danger if I tried it. The multiple blue flashing police lights were furiously stabbing into the evening light behind us, while the sirens relentlessly screamed in all directions. The police were gaining on us, and I was terrified what he was going to do next. A desperate man can and will probably do desperate things when cornered. And here I am, the black, prostrateless, unwitting bargaining chip, at his mercy. Hmm. Well, not quite. The complete opposite, actually. Dave is a gregarious sort. He lives in South London, has been married for a long time, and has three grown-up children. By profession, he's an accountant, tax advisor, a writer, speaker, and a whole host of other things. Oh, and just to add to the mix, he travelled the world as a lecturer for 18 years. After telling Emma at Prostate Cancer UK that I would love to buddy with him, after his memorable one-liner and general observations about trying to talk to black men about prostate cancer, we had a couple of chats on the phone. And now I was on the way to his workplace for our road trip and my first ever experience of volunteering for Prostate Cancer UK. Prostate cancer, or the gift that keeps on giving, which is another way I used to describe it, offered another present on this particular trip for me. It's called unary urgency. Its effects are the sudden and urgent need to pee from absolutely nowhere. The first time I experienced it, I was on a bus minding my own business, and I just had this sudden urge from nowhere that I needed to pee. I had to run off the bus and find the first wall to fertilise. Now, of course, that wall was secluded, but it was a mad dash to try and find somewhere secluded where I could have a pee. This time outside his office, I was doing a slow moonwalk and forward shuffle, waiting for Dave to come out of his office. I still don't understand why I didn't go into his office to pee, but I'm just recalling it. I was later to find out that it was carbonated drinks that really exacerbate this condition. Dave had no symptoms at the time, or so he thought. He had been passing blood for months, 
and eventually his wife forced him to go to the doctors. And while he was there, he checked his PSA. This came back at seven. Ten years previously, he had had a heart attack. And with this in mind, they did not want to take the chance and try and operate on him. So he had to take the radiotherapy and hormone option for treatment. He described the radiotherapy as a cancer that creeps up on you slowly like a thief in the night. And it made him very tired over a long period of time. His most memorable experience was being at a party and slowly sliding down the wall as the fatigue was taken over. He described the hormone treatment, which was a course of tablets for six weeks, as hell on earth and six lost weeks. I didn't need any further clarification. Like me, as soon as he mentioned his cancer diagnosis, all the experts came out from underneath their rocks. He says he's got a cupboard full of cures and remedies that people have sent him. The strange thing is that these people that have found all these cures, they're not interested in fame and fortune, which would be associated with finding a cure for the third biggest killer of men worldwide. Instead, they're quite happily peddling it to just a few lucky, exclusive clients. I've got one of my favourites, which is a couple who have claimed to have cured countless others with this concoction of bicarbonate soda and molasses. Here, take a listen. Okay guys, so here we are today. We are going to share with you, um, well, the reality is too many of our family and friends are being told they have cancer. People that we don't know, and we want to share something that we've been sharing with people who have cancer. It's all natural, and it works. It works. It's yeah, getting it pretty good results. Okay, so for those who have cancer, who think they may have cancer, who don't Just feel right, yeah, you want to balance your pH. Now, we, disclaimer: we are not doctors. We're just putting this out there because we've seen that it's done with our own eyes. Okay, we've had people that have had cancer started taking this concoction which is a natural treatment and it's balancing out their pH levels. Cancer cells cannot survive in an acidic and alkaline environment. So that means they cannot grow and they will die. So what this is going to do is balance out your pH levels. Um, we've get, uh, given this instructions and given it to people um, with cancer and like I said we've seen whatever what it's done. We have people who were sent home to die and are up strong again we're able to have surgery to remove the cancer cells and everything so we're going to share and, they're not doing chemo, guys. and oh most importantly did not do chemo chemo therapy while it kills the bad cells it, it also goes. kills the good cells and it does it's not a cure for cancer it's just really to prolong the inevitable mm. right so if you want to change your body like your, your ph levels make your body more on the alkaline side instead of acidic because cancer cells survive in an acidic body then this is something that you should check out don't take our word for it just try it yourself this is keep it in mind that you not to be doing chemo i know the biggest thing about this is people are afraid to go against their doctors and what their doctors say to chemo 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 but i mean chemo isn't going to cure the cancer it's only going to prolong the inevitable so why not not take the chemo. Yeah, too. why not not take the chemo and try a natural approach and see how that works. So we have regular molasses. It doesn't matter which brand it is. We have baking soda. Bob Again, Bill. it does not matter which brand. However, this is the brand that we prefer. 
It's aluminum free. Okay, it's aluminum free. You can find it in most health stores or you can find it um, online as well at Amazon. And um, we've had ours for a long time. We take this concoction very often. All right, so basically all you need um, is a cup of hot water. This water is already hot in there. Or if you can get the sour salt leaf tea. Get the sour salt, pick the leaves, yes, because sour salt kills cancer cells. So if you can get the sour salt leaf, boil it and drink the water from that, use the hot water from that in here. You want to put one tablespoon of molasses. And right it doesn't there. taste bad, folks. In I hate food taste, but I could only drink that. Stir it in so it can dissolve. Then you want to add your teaspoon of the baking soda. Stir again. And if you're somebody that has cancer, somebody who's been given a death sentence, only a few days left to live, Why months, not try it? You've been, you have stage 4 cancer, stage 3 cancer, whatever stage you have, this this works. And like I said, disclaimer, I'm not telling you to not follow your doctor and I'm not telling you to not do, we're not telling you not follow your doctor's order and not follow chemotherapy, but I'll tell you this much. The people that we know that have started taking this product and started healing, the cancer cells were shrinking and all of that. When they told their doctor what they were doing, the doctor told them, no bush medicine, stop taking that, blah, blah, blah. And I can tell you, after they stopped taking it, the cancer started spreading more and they died. Those that have taken it and are continuously taking it and have refused the chemo are still living and are strong. We've had a 75-year-old client, 79-year-old client that was sent home to die. He, he was sent home to die. They refused to even give him chemo. How weak he was. Told him to get his affairs in order. We had him drinking this concoction three times a day. With the sour. He did it with uh, sour, sour, sour salt leaf tea. Do you know the next two weeks he was on the boat. And he was up and up. For regatta guys. For regatta. He was on the boat. And next two or three weeks after that. He was flying back and forth. He went to the doctor. They Guess what happened this time. He was strong enough. So strong that they want to give him chemo. He asks us what he can do to thank us. We told him, the only thing we ask you to do is to refuse the chemo. He refused the chemo. Kept drinking this three times per day. Had his operation Was able to go and have an operation and remove all of the stuff, the cancer. He was successful. He's strong. And he's a living testimony. So, now, he's still alive. I would say, and this is a man who they sent home to die. He was so weak yeah. that they wouldn't even give him chemo. Alright, so that's all you need to do. I'd say drink it two to three times a week. And that's you. And it actually tastes good though. Try it. You can't go wrong. What you have to lose, especially if you're someone who diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. Doesn't matter the kind of cancer. The point is, you want to make sure your body... Um, it's more on the alkaline side so that the cancer cells die off. So we hope this helps. We've seen too many young people dying of cancer, die of cancer. Too many Bahamians are dying of cancer. Just try it out. What do you have to lose? Isn't your health worth it? Yes. Isn't your health worth it? Copied by Dr. Sasper. Don't sue me now, Charles. I wonder if you're as disturbed as I was when I first came across this video. Imagine telling somebody to not have chemo if that's what they've been prescribed. This concoction is useless. You can find many, many articles on the web that contradict what they're talking about.
They even contradict themselves. So I sent a message to them and I said, at worst, they're going to end up killing people with this nonsense. And it would be really great if they could show the identity of this 79-year-old man that they miraculously saved. There's other people on there that have left comments regarding the dosage. How many times a day should I drink this? What type of molasses shall I use? What type of bicarbonate of soda should I use? It's absolutely frightening. And you know, this video is a couple of years old and they haven't replied to a single comment that's been left for them. David heard from one of the team at Guy's Hospital about how hard it is getting through to the African Caribbean community. Joining Project Cancer UK was an opportunity for him to do something positive for the charity and for men's health. He just wants to make an impact. That's his passion. He would like to see mandatory testing for prostate cancer, like me. But he also knows, at the moment, it's a bit of a futile wish. He is also very much infuriated, like me, that some surgeries are playing with men's lives by actively discouraging men not to get tested. In fact, he would mention to me at a later date that one doctor said to him, I'm not going to encourage men to get their PSA tested, because that's another £30-40 off my bottom line. He walked away in disgust, quite rightly so. Like me, he has also come across those guys that are completely stubborn despite all of the warning signs. One particular story that upsets him is a family that buried their father who'd had prostate cancer. The two brothers are adamant they are not going for tests and nobody's going to do anything to them and so on. Ignorance is never short of supporters. And I have to say, it's certainly a stubbornness that seems unique to black men. We'd been driving about 30 minutes. After a few more traffic lights, I made an interesting discovery. I noticed that he never went into fourth gear. Now, I watched a strange fact for the next 10 minutes or so, while slowly slipping down into my seat. I wanted to be invisible because we had become public enemy number one to this long line of cars snaking behind us. The excitement of my first talk was being steadily diluted by the real possibility of us making headlines as motorist and passenger, beaten to death by a gang of irate West London motorists. It was beginning to burn me, so I had to ask. But I also had to ask in the right way, as I was just the passenger. Dave, is there something wrong with your fourth gear? It's not a criticism at all, but I've just noticed that you've never gone into fourth gear on this journey so far. He laughed his deep laugh and replied, ever since the prostate cancer, I've just slowed my life right down. I mouthed the wow to myself. He was here sharing a life-changing decision made by a, a life-changing condition. Prostate cancer turns your life around and you will make life changes, some of which are voluntary and some of which are enforced. I fought for a second on the ones I had to make and the ones that were made for me. It was a very somber moment. That and too many points on my license David laughed. Well, that killed the moment of melancholy for me. And I laughed too and continued my slide down the car chair. Eventually, we reached a surgery, which was situated off the main road. I could hear the sudden roar as we turned off the main road. That sudden roar being the motorists catching up on lost time, apparently. We'd had time for a quick meal. Now, I had not been on any junk food since the operation. And... I intended to cut down my subscription to junk food outlets. 
to only once a month. But today, I was starving, so anything went. And you know what? I even went back for seconds. That's how much I'd missed it. I gave myself the excuse that, look, not only am I pity well frayed after our journey, I am prostrate less as well. So, you know what? you got to allow it. It was a small doctor's surgery, so we would be talking to the group in the waiting area in front of reception. This waiting area seated about 25 patients or so, so some extra chairs were put around the sides. This waiting area led directly to the pharmacy, which was separated by a retractable roller shutter, where they had also put some additional chairs. The lack of space meant that we couldn't put up the projector that Dave had brought along with him. So he was just going to freestyle and read from a handout. And he said we could do a double act. Hmm. I thought he was joking. I was expecting to be, or I was hoping to just be the odd looking dolly bird giving out the leaflets and smiling at people. But instead, he wanted my active participation. Okay. When we started, there were about 20 odd men and a couple of women spanning all classes, races, and ages. Wonderful. And they were still continuing to trickle in. David went through the short presentation that Prostrate Cancer UK have provided for their volunteers. This covers what the prostate does, where it is and its size, and some facts and figures. Then it moves on to the signs and the symptoms, knowing your risk, your rights, and how to take action. I was safely propped up on the wall to the left, thinking that I'd got out of saying anything. But one of the patients ushered me to the front, and our double act began. Dave spoke about how he found out he'd had prostate cancer, and I told them my own version. I spoke again when it came to discussing what symptoms we did and we didn't have. The double act worked really well and continued throughout the talk, as we both gave different procedures and perspectives to each point. That came up. I gave an extended chat about the nerves, impotence and incontinence. I was open and honest, but mindful to say it was not all doom and gloom, which it isn't. As my prostate cancer had been discovered in time, which is the key point that I tried to get over to these men and women. When it came to questions, there were a number of questions on the PSA, how to get it done, further clarification of the sexual aspects of the condition and a number of other questions, which I answered candidly and openly. By the time we finished the discussion, the room was absolutely packed. There was at least 50-odd in attendance. Nearly everyone wanted to shake our hands, and the few that didn't waved and smiled before leaving. Everybody who spoke to me wished me luck and thanked me for my openness and honesty. It really meant a lot to me. It still amazes me that what I am trying to do and share is so unusual because we just don't talk about it. One Indian man shook my hand and held on to it. He thanked me for my honesty and said how much he really enjoyed the talk and appreciated our time and that he would be getting tested. One of the three black men in attendance, while shaking my hand, whispered in my ear that he'd already been tested and he was in the clear. We both smiled and hugged. The other two black men also said they were going to get tested. A few asked for my blog details, and I can see that they have now subscribed. What this initial talk would also point out is that even though as black men we are the most afflicted, we are the least engaged, with only three men out of the 50 being of African-Caribbean ethnicity. But you know what? 
All in all, it was a brilliant and exhilarating discussion. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And all the more so because the surgery patients really enjoyed and appreciated it. David said afterwards that it was unusual that so many people stayed to shake hands and to give their appreciation. Normally they're at the door like a shop, having been shell-shocked. He said he really enjoyed himself as well, and that we make a great double act. And you know what? I agree. So, we loaded up the wagon and headed back out onto the plane, with another angry convoy slowly building up behind us. But you know what? This time, I sat up in the chair, still grinning, still elated. I didn't care. Fire your arrows, bib your horns, make your faces, gesture with your fingers. I don't care. You can always go and use another road. Thank you.